Before we get started with the show, I wanted to talk about the Extreme LOI Makeover course, uh, which I usually help people with in October, November, December, because that's a lot closer to when students are thinking about their letter of intent. But what those students are doing is they're doing it backwards, and they're getting it in such a way that they're saying, okay, now I'm applying to residencies. Now it's time for me to check off the boxes. I've started my CV. Maybe you're uh, finished your CV. Uh, now I've got to write this letter. What's this letter all about? But really what you want to do is you want to write the letter first. And let me explain. When you write the letter of intent now, as a number of the top candidates do, uh, because they just do things very early, what they're doing is saving themselves a ton of time. And the reason is that what they do is they're going to write down what their top choices are, maybe their first two or three residency choices, and they're going to start writing their letter. And they're going to find out a couple of things. The first thing they're going to find out is the deficiencies that they have. Clinical, teaching, research, service, okay, leadership. Are there deficiencies there that they can make up for in their appies? You know, for example, uh, maybe they are going to a place that has a strong ID program, but they don't have an ID rotation until maybe April. Are they able to get some ID experiences to kind of fill that gap? But the other thing they're doing is by writing it down, their brain is saying, you know, I, I just don't feel this is right. I, I mean, I, I know that I had in my head, this is what I wanted, but now that I'm actually looking at their website, actually looking at their residency curriculum, th we're not really a good fit. We're not a match. And by eliminating those, all of a sudden you are finding your match. And what that does is it makes things so streamlined and you're not wasting time working on places that you're not going to go to. There are around 4,000 choices. Uh, although I know there's multiple choices with each spot and everything like that. But that's the big problem, is that unlike pharmacy school, where on average you applied to maybe one, two schools, uh, the average is about two and a quarter or two and a half uh, schools, you are now going to apply to around 12 places. But instead of having two out of 150, now you're going to have 12 out of 4,000. And that's a very different thing. And so writing your letter is huge. And so I recommend that you go into the Pre-Residency Audio Academy. That's the free arm of the Pharmacy Residency Podcast courses. Start looking at what an LOI is all about. Write a vomit draft where you just kind of write down everything and just uh, put a crummy draft out there just so you can start seeing what it feels like. And that's a huge, huge time saver is figuring out, you know what, I don't even want a residency at all. Or, you know what, maybe I do want a residency, but where I thought I wanted to go, that's not it. Okay, well now I'm going to talk with a current student, University of Iowa, Sydney Day, who's been fantastic, and she's going to uh, go over a number of time savers that she's had, so she's had time to put in extra hours uh, and graduate virtually debt-free. Uh, and then I will talk a little bit about uh, saving time uh, to some extent in residency, also uh, a little bit about uh, how you save time in school and what those characteristics are. So welcome to the show. Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Remember the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm back with Sydney Day from the University of Iowa, and we are going to talk about managing time. She's going to focus on 
managing time as a student. And I'm going to talk a little bit about as a resident and also as somebody who's uh, working or employed. Uh, so we're going to cover the gamut. But the big thing that we want you to take away is that uh, Sydney has put herself in a position to be, we call it almost debt-free. Is that the is that the technical term for, you know, just not having any, uh, having very few loans and those types of things? Your two standard deviations from 178,000 for sure, wherever you are. Okay, but we're, we're going to talk about how you manage to do that, keep your sanity, uh, and uh, do well with time. And then I'll talk about some of the tips and tricks as it goes to residency and after. So Sydney, welcome back to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Thank you for having me, Tony. All right. Well, let's let you get started. Tell me a little bit about what you've done to carve time out uh, so that you can uh, continue to work at what I think is a feverish pace, but you seem so happy with the work that you do that uh, there's an expression, uh, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And it seems like saying you'll never work a day in your life is a very strange thing to say to somebody who works as many hours as you do, but you seem so happy with it. So how did you carve out the time to do that? So it was challenging when I first started pharmacy school. The first few weeks I was trying to work both of my part-time jobs and was working about 35 hours and my grades started to suffer while doing that. So I did have to back down at the beginning to about 20 hours And then I started writing out all the assignments that were due for pharmacy school. And I would write when exams were and also when student organization meetings were. And having this all written out in my planner was helpful because then after I carved out study time um, and with figuring out when everything was due, this allowed me to be able to work more hours as I began to gain that balance. I also... Um. Well, let's, let, let's back up to that because I'm going to contrast what you did. And if anybody's ever read highlights, I would be goofus. She would be gallant. And what I did was I didn't work at all. And I, I gave up my car. I didn't have a car, uh, but it was in the city. Uh, it wasn't like New York City where there's like subway to everything. Uh, I was in Baltimore and, and you could walk to the harbor to, to work and, and to other places. But... I made the decision not to work at all because I was absolutely petrified that the intensity would be way up there. But I found that the first year, besides biochemistry and some of the other physical chemistry classes, uh, wasn't terrible. And I would have been able to work in the afternoons. And what I found is that I was actually at a tremendous disadvantage because I had never worked in a pharmacy in my life. I did volunteer for four hours every week at the University of Maryland College of Pharmacy, pharmacy, student pharmacy, and I'm going to date myself, but I actually typed a prescription and used tape to make sure that the, the prescription label was on there. So <laughs> it's been a while, but no one ever asked, like, well, how much experience did you have coming in? I knew that I liked uh, what the pharmacist did, and uh, I thought it was kind of cool. But let's first contrast what we were doing with our time. After school, I was with my friends, uh, with the organizations, and things like that. Uh, I wasn't really thinking about working. It was my fourth year of college, although I only had two years of college credits. Uh, and uh, I just, it was my senior year. I, I was like, I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. Um, let's first start with, did you enjoy your first year of pharmacy school? 
with your choices? I will say it was pretty overwhelming with the first semester of pharmacy school. I did think it was a step up from my undergraduate degree, um, but I did make sure that I'd spend some time with friends a couple times a week to maintain my sanity. Um, I found that working was helpful with the curriculum too because I was able to apply it in the pharmacy and speak to people about their medications as well as review it in my head when I would dispense the medication. I also found it was a nice break to work because your brain can only study so much each day. So I found working was helpful to me and kept me going and something that I enjoyed. So let's talk about, you know, kind of circle back to the whole managing time. Because I had so much time, I actually didn't manage it much at all because there was just enough time for everything that I wanted to do, everything I needed to do. Uh, but once I got into, I, I kind of started, you know, while, while we're doing these top 200, you know, first semester, second semester, you know, quizzes and exams, uh, all of a sudden my classmates are doing really well. It's really easy for them. Uh, well, at least the ones that didn't have formulary, like hospital, the ones that worked in uh, retail. Uh, and I was really at a disadvantage. And I thought, well, maybe there's something to this thing. And, and then I went to my IPI, and that's when I started to think about where I wanted to work and, and all of those things. Um, so I didn't really have to manage time uh, until I got into that second year where it did become very difficult, very where I would, and I don't know if you can still do this, but I would work at you, you worked at like the Hy-Vee and I worked at Giant Food, which is an equivalent of Hy-Vee, a regional grocery store. But I would go to one for my Ippy and then I would go to a different one to work. So I was doing the same stuff, but just wasn't allowed at the same store. Uh, is, is that the kind of thing that you're ending up with where you're already kind of experienced with it? Or how, how did you carve out the time to get to work, go to work, do the work, then make it through your classes? So... We do, um, we do have, you're not allowed to do your IPPE at the same site where you work. So I did commute to work. It was about a 10 to 15 minute drive each way. But I found, like I said, that it was helpful to my studies. And so I was able to apply it within that time. I'd carve out like four hours from when I had class and then I would work about nine hours each day on the weekend to be able to maintain my number of hours. And I think that that's where I really fell short is I, I really wish I had worked and I really wish I had actually tracked my expenses because I never really looked too much at my credit card bill and that that magically turned into 20000 which I'll have to do the calculator figure out what that is in today's dollars but whatever 1997 $20,000 is uh, that's what I had on my credit card so it'll it'll be significant. Um, I, I guess, where does this come from, this work ethic? Was it that you needed to work in undergrad and you were just kind of going through it? Because you had managed to work and pay for your way through undergrad, get a degree, then go on to pharmacy school, and you're still hitting the ground running. You're just working. It, it was almost like you, you didn't even acknowledge yet that you were, okay, well, I'm in grad school or for, professional school, uh, it seemed like you're just like, eh, I'm still working, you know, I'll, I'll get it done. So I do come, my undergrad degree is in finance, and when I received my acceptance letter to pharmacy school, I had a semester off and was working 
at an, in a finance internship, and when I was looking at the cost of tuition every year, it was pretty overwhelming to me. And so that semester that I had off in between pharmacy school to starting, I was trying to work as much as I could to keep my debt off. We learn in, farm, in finance that you're trying to mitigate debt as much as possible. <laughs> yep. So that was my motivator and my goal. Several of my peers have told me um, their debt burden, and I was trying to hedge that as much as possible while also trying to maintain a social life as well. But that was my, my motivation, was to try to graduate with the least debt that I can so that I can enjoy it afterwards. Okay. All right. So it sounds like the, the take-home point for everybody that's listening is, is the both end. Uh, you've done a really good job of not saying, well, I can either do really well in school or I can do really well at work or I can uh, you know, make money at work. But what you've done is you've made sure that whatever it is you're working in or on uh, is something that kind of informs what you're doing, but it, it took a, some time for that to ramp up, that maybe doing that 35 hours at first didn't give you enough time to build the relationship, so if you did miss a class or this or that, uh, that, that wasn't uh, an option for you. And I, I was on the way of the other spectrum, like, okay, I acknowledge that I now have this time, maybe I should do something useful with it, but the loans were, we'll talk about this maybe in a later episode, but... I just pushed the green button to take all the loans, and you pushed the red button to take none of the loans. Is that right? Okay. All right. So you were, you were. So our mindsets were completely different. I was, I was going to take a loan, and I was going to finance school. You made the decision that you were going to go cash only, whatever cash is in the envelope, until you couldn't do that anymore, which you finally kind of hit that wall uh, here in the P4 year because of the summer bonus. Yes, so unfortunately (laughs) I will have to take out loans in my last year, but I'm hoping that it should only be about $20,000 if possible. And so my, my goal is just to work as much as I'm able on the weekends while I'm in my last year of pharmacy school and to try to keep keep the loan rate down if I'm able to because the loan rate right now is 6% for what I'm looking at. Okay. All right. Well, loan loan rates did just go down, so that's exciting. Uh, But it's kind of a shame. You're you're graduating at the very time that Congress is like, all right, once November comes and we get reelected, then we'll make our decision. Have they made a decision on canceling any loan debt or anything like that? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. And my, my understanding is that what they're going to do is try to get the most voters, basically, to uh, get that. So I th- I've heard canceling 10000 or less, but not canceling any graduate student or professional school loans because they feel like you're going to make too much money. So it makes sense from the political party that's in power, but it's, uh, it's kind of a shame. So, but you're, you're set, right? You, you, you've, you've done as much as you can under the constraints that you have. All right, well, let's make sure we kind of go circle back to time again. Um, So tell me a little bit more about the resources. Did you want to go into the resources, or did you want to hold off on that for the next time? Okay, all right. So what would we, what's the next kind of tip as far as time management goes? 
So with a student with a student organization meetings, I would recommend it's not something that I did. I chose to be involved in four different student organizations that are most interesting to you. Um, I would recommend being involved in fewer being more involved in fewer organizations than being involved in more organizations so you can gain that leadership perspective so that when they're looking for residency that you have those major leadership roles. It's not something that I did and wish I would have done if I could go back. Yeah, I, I think I, I get what you're saying. Uh, a lot of times this is, uh, somebody would call this like you teach to the test, you're uh, aiming at the rubric where the rubric for residency is going to say, okay, we want VP or president, you will get four points. Treasurer, secretary, so forth, you will get three points. Member of the organization will get one point, and no organization will get zero points. But it sounds like you have stuck to your values, and your value is to remain debt-free throughout. And while that may seem like a strange thing to put on a residency letter of intent or a residency application, that kind of persistence, that kind of hard work, I think that that just speaks to a different way of approaching it. It's almost like, and I know you're considering residency, but uh, I know Mike Corvino, Eric Christensen, uh, who are excellent clinicians and are board certified, did not do a residency and had to do the three years of clinical work or four years of clinical work before they were allowed to sit for the boards. That's the harder way to do it, but you also admire them for it. You're like, wow, you didn't do a residency and you still were able to get those clinical positions. You were still able to get that clinical experience. So it sounds like you're also, besides your BBA and majoring in finance, your PharmD, you also kind of have a degree in the School of Hard Knocks and then that kind of street smarts, um, and uh, uh, all of those things. So you're actually coming out with a retirement plan, right? Or you, you have part of one as well. Okay. Well, let's kind of focus a little more on those uh, leadership or those organizations. Um, what roles did you take? What roles do you recommend? And what roles maybe do you think you might have wished you had taken if you could go back in time? So I was a pharmacy student ambassador and did interviews with incoming pharmacy students and I also was the social chair for one of the professional opportunity development organizations and those were two leadership roles that I have held but within I was in, involved with Kappa Psi as well as ASHIP and Phi Lambda Sigma and I did not apply or look into being in leadership roles, but I think if I were to, I would have applied to be secretary or applied to be president or treasurer with those roles. Looking back, I didn't know what the... I would have thought you'd say treasurer right away, and you went to social chair, so it, it just... I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you're finance, so I guess that would be accounting, right? Yeah. Um, and there wasn't, generally in, in those organizations, there's not a ton to account for. So uh, it's not really a, a tremendous uh, amount of time. But um, it sounds like you still were able to connect with other people through social chair. And that sounded like that was your priority since you were working so much that you were actually the one that made sure um, that these events happened. So tell me a little bit about what you did do uh, as social chair and how you found time to actually 
set up organizations and, and thing events for other people? So the organization that I was social chair for, I would set up, we had a meet and greet for the new incoming pharmacy students. We got to all together and I organized a food gathering that we could all attend. Then I organized, we did a volunteer event making Valentine's Day cards for veterans. So I organized getting food for that event and organized the materials needed and getting those sent over. Um, I also helped with other Thanksgiving organizations that we did and meetings for those. Okay. All right. So it sounds like you, you've had a full life. Uh, and uh, sometimes when I, when I see people taking on multiple roles in multiple organizations, uh, it's almost like that the kind of Ivy League crunch there is right now where uh, Ivy Leagues are, have an acceptance rate around 5 to 7%. And you'll see people making organizations of three people just so they can be the president, the vice president, uh, and the treasurer. And it sounded like you just kind of went with your heart and what would uh, really be fun and, and something that's important to you. So let's kind of circle back to studying. And I know that uh, what can happen with studying is kind of this, uh, it's kind of like binge dieting where you'll, you'll do a good job at the diet and then you'll eat a bunch and then, then you'll kind of fast for a long time and then you'll eat a bunch. And we see the same thing with studying where you'll see, you know, okay, everybody's studying now. Okay, now everybody's uh, kind of taking it easy. Now everybody's studying. Uh, you actually tend to have, have made the plan where you were able to study a little bit each day, which you feel is much better. Yes, uh, research actually shows that if you study a little bit every day, it's better for long-term retention. And I found I really enjoyed my clinic, my second year when you're learning the clinical information. And so that was a big motivator for me too, just to make sure I did well on those exams. School for me is always number one and doing well in school is very important to me. So then I made sure that I studied a few hours each day to be successful and moved my schedule around to make that possible because I am in school to do well and yeah, succeed. Yeah, yeah no, and, and again, uh, I, I mean, we, I, we're teaching in a community college where uh, it's, if you were to actually kind of put that priority thing, uh, if you look at a two-year school, the reason why it's a little bit more difficult for these students is that they work and they're trying to fit school into work. Whereas those that are been able to go to four-year schools, they're starting school and then they kind of figure out where they're at and then they fit work into school. So it's really a mindset and it sounds like you've been able to balance both. Well, I've asked you a bunch of questions. Are there any uh, maybe tips or recommendations that you have about time management that we didn't cover? I would say when you're thinking about working and you're concerned about paying bills, I would recommend taking out those loans if you need to, because remember, it's better to do well in one semester than have to repeat it. So school should be your number one priority. And then if you need to add more working hours to help pay your bills, I would do that. But if you need to back down on your hours, I would make sure that you are successful first in school and then work and student orgs can come after. Yeah. Um, just to kind of make sure I touch on the, the residency aspect and, and afterward, the big thing that I've heard from those that are in residency and uh, are trying to, and, and I'm talking about those academic medical centers where they're working 12 days in a row, two days off, the first thing they're saying is that 
they regret doing that <laughs> for the most part. Uh, most of them would really prefer a third weekend type of, of deal and maybe something in the week that's fine for staffing. But that 12 on, 2 off is, is really punishing and it makes it very difficult uh, to do things. And so they found that really an ounce of prevention is a you know, pound of cure type of thing where as you're looking at those residencies, since we're at a point where um, the, the residency match rate is 77% and Iowa is actually better than that, around 82-83%, uh, really you're not in a position where you have to take something where it's going to be so punishing to your life and relationships that it, it really makes sense. I get it. It's only a year, quotation fingers. But that's a really tough year, and you're taking care of patients, and you want to take care of yourself as well. Uh, I've heard that people's health can go absolutely sideways in terms of weight gain, uh, even in appies, uh, and then on to residency. And they're continuing to say, well, I'm just going to fit in something later. I even saw a Reddit post that said, should I date in residency? And I was just kind of aghast at that because I'm like, well, what's the point of working if you can't be with other people? Like, and, and you know, I'm you know, dating versus friends and all that stuff. So I appreciate the, the time management tips you had. I do believe there is a both and possibility where if you get the right job, the flexibility that someplace has, uh, that you can work a couple extra hours. And those tips that you had to work a couple extra hours each week instead of trying to just massive work effort, you know, over break or something like that, although I know you do something like that. Uh, and then to, to really be mindful of studying every day. I know the afternoon comes and you're like, oh, so tired. Um, you do a good job of just going saying, okay, let me go get a coffee. I can, I can power through and, and just that extra hour or two uh, will get you through. All right. So Sydney Day, thanks for being on the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Thank you for having me. So again, if you're interested in getting one-on-one -on -one help uh, with your letter of intent, your CV, uh, maybe even the interview, uh, those types of things, uh, go to residency.teachable.com or sign up for the Pre-Residency Audio Academy uh, where you can get a number of free videos and uh, some tips on how to do it. Uh, and uh, maybe you can do it on your own. Uh, otherwise, just uh, contact me, Tony the Pharmacist at gmail.com.